Greetings, true believers, and welcome to episode 49 of the Polis Podcast, a bi-weekly show about comics, pop culture, and faith. My name is Chris Poirier, and with me, as always, is the one and only Hector. How's it going, Hector? Well, <laughs> y- once yes. upon a time, I-, I have no idea, dude. Yeah, you have no idea. Yeah. So we should we should just do the comic show then, huh? That sounds good. That's a good lecture. Let's let's do the let's do the show about comics then. So that means you've got to strap yourselves in and prepare yourselves for we've got comic sign. Neon glow. Better put the word out. Can't wait for the nerd out. Better put specs on. Better bring next song. On today's episode of The Pull List, we've got a great show for you. We're going to hit the latest news that you need to know, our must-pull recommendations from the past week or two, our favorite number ones, and maybe a little something about Infinite Frontiers? I feel this, you, dude, but I don't even know who cares anymore. It's just like... <laughs> it's it's a thing, and some people don't care, but this is The Pull List Podcast. <laughs> Let's get into the newsroom. I can open and close the door again if that, you know, settles <laughs> the ambiance for everyone. No? Well, that's fair enough. Um, so right off the top, uh, folks might have heard of a little comic called Berserker, and I'm not spelling that for you, or maybe I should because it's not spelled the way that you think it is. Every but time I li- hear that, I just think of the thing from like Clerks. <laughs> right. Was it Clerks that had the yes. dude that listened to Berserker? Okay. Yeah. Berserker. Yep. Uh, well, now you've got that stuck in your head. You're welcome. But Berserker is a comic, um, believe it or not. And it's Keanu Reeves and Matt Kent. You're breathtaking. Are... <laughs> <laughs> it's Keanu. Um, and it came out. Very recently, and they burned through all of their first prints. And when I say all, at the last episode, we were talking about IDW having their biggest print run of a book in the last run in number two at 130,000. Well, Berserker supposedly burned through 615. Now, just to, just because I know we've mentioned this before, but does that also include like damage copies and stuff? It probably does. It means that literally everything they sent to the warehouse has gone somewhere and has found it's it's one of the creative nuances of a book selling out or not is that yes, it means even if some of that stuff gets returned, they're still going to go with that number because that's the number that went out the door. And that's kind of how comic book retail works is it's the number of things that are either in the warehouse or not in the warehouse. And they only do it the week of sale. So, yes, it's a very valid point. But um, either way, little over half a million copies were printed and they're gone. And second prints are coming. So I guess y'all love use some Keanu's. Um, but we'll, we'll save it for the podcast because I think Hector Hector managed to get a copy. I didn't. So that happens. Well, but I'm eventually going to get to is, it. funny is like half of the shops I went to, even on release day, like their copies were damaged and they sent them back. Oh no. So a lot of the places outside of just selling out legitimately didn't have copies. And like, I straight up tried to get my, one of my local shops just to sell me a damaged copy. Like, don't claim it. Let me legitimately buy it. Right. And he said, I will will give you the monies. Oh, well, I guess they were allergic to money or they just didn't want a money or whatever. Hmm. It's in their comic uh, purist self that they won't sell a book with a wrinkle. Oh, well, and and I'm I mean, like I don't legitimately care, <laughs> but right. And usually with books that are selling through, it's like, hey, it, it's not a pristine copy. But if you want to read it, then for sure, usually folks would try to figure something out. But okay, I appreciate that. I understand those realities. Um, but yeah, so lots of that book got sold. Like that that is a lot, fam. That's not a little. That that's a lot. So. We're going to talk a little more about Berserker later, so we'll loop back to the conversation about why maybe that many copies went flying out the door. But I know that Hector already knows this because he's had the wonderful opportunity to read a Batman book that I haven't gotten to, which is another 
thing, but it happened. Uh, I managed to miss number 106, but between Infinite Frontier and Batman 106 and normal, quote unquote, normal DC titles back after End State, um, we finally learned that our good friend Ghostmaker is basically part of the dynamic duo now. Isn't that what everybody wanted? Is that what you wanted? Of course, that's exactly what I wanted was, you know, like Silicon Valley Nightwing trying to be Deadpool um, while also giving off strong Tommy Elliott vibes. It's exactly what I needed. Yeah, it's so... It's it's not a, a Batman and Robin story, but it is a Batman and Ghostmaker. So we we've been talking a lot about the Batman run and just kind of sliding directly into that. I gotta ask, is like, is it just me or is Tinian trying to introduce something new or a new character in every single new book? Because a few episodes ago we talked that in Batman one oh eight we're gonna get um that Molly character and, and this she's week in we this find one, out, by the way. Right, and we also find out that Tinian's like, oh, yeah, by the way, 107 is going to have another one of my new um, folks, and we're going to be introduced to the Gardener. There was also um, the Molly character, I think, mm-hmm. also had a small panel in uh, Frontier. I believe you are correct. I don't and... think that anybody knew that was her. It just looked like a generic person, but... Um, based on what we saw in 106, I think the person in one in New Frontier was also her. But go on. Yeah, it, I don't know. It might just be me, but I feel like Tinian is like literally the love letter to the 1990s because new characters, like almost every issue, the art style and the writing style just kind of matches throwback to early 52. I I don't know, but we're practically getting new characters like every other book in in the Batman run right now. So. I guess we'll see how it plays out. <laughs> um, but there's just so many different. You would think with Infinite Frontier and End State just wrapping up that DC would have so many different threads to pull at. But we're just going to throw in as many, you know, variant covers and new characters, first appearances, cameos that I don't know. It's the type of stuff that technically starts to drive me crazy in the industry at times is, are you doing it because your story actually demands it? Or are you doing it so that everyone goes, oh, that's going to be a new character um, book. So I need to speculate on it and buy 57 copies of it in case that character is important. Well, there's also the thing, dude, that I honestly think that there's a generation of readers that are tired of the same characters that have been around for 75 years. Oh, that. only 75 to 80 years you say (laughs) and so that's the thing i'm like i think you introduce a new character you know wonderful because i mean i we can say this now standing where we're standing but the same was true in 2003 um 2003 brought us hush 2003 brought us red hood 2003 brought us these characters you know, around the same time we got Winter Soldier. Around the same time, you know, there was a bursting seams. I mean, not quite as many as this. Yes, James Tinian still created more characters than I've named, but it <laughs> it still felt that way. That's fair. And I think that's part of it is figuring out what may stick in the long run and what may not stick in the long run. So it's just been kind Kite of man. interesting. Uh, kind of breakdown of everything, but eh, here we are. But that's not all. DC has even more kind of randomness for you. But did you know that there yes. was originally a planned sequel to Event Leviathan? I always have to slow down when I say that because there's way too many consonants in that word. <laughs> did you know that most people forgot Event Leviathan happened? Right? Well, just in time for you to have forgotten, Bendis and Maleev are back for the planned sequel that was always on the books. I think this was one of the books that fell into the COVID black hole last summer. Um, Marvel had a few of those books just recently come out in Children of the Atom. Like, all those books were originally planned for a year ago. I believe this is another one of those. And so we're getting the planned sequel to Event Leviathan that is called Checkmate. And I don't know a whole lot about it other than that it's the same creative team. So if you enjoyed that detective 
feel that that event had, you're going to get, I believe, four more new books out of it. Out And so that beautiful Maliva art and that kind of semi-detective-y story continuing. So you didn't know you needed it. You didn't know you wanted it, but it's coming anyway, and that's going to drop around June. So right in the middle of crazy summerness, you're going to get finally another wrap-up to that entire part of the series, which ultimately – yeah, um, <laughs> with Hen State and Infinite Frontiers, feels a little weird that we're kind of beyond that, but here we are. And then finally, a little bit of Marvel news. Do you know what this month is? Specific to Marvel. They're uh, 75th? I don't know. No, it's got to be more than that. What I don't know. What is it? Uh, so Captain America turns 80 this month. Okay. Um, so Cap's been around for a hot minute. And to celebrate, Marvel's giving us a miniseries that they're calling the United States of Captain America. Um, and it's going to follow four independent instances of Cap, which includes Falcon, includes him, involves the U.S. Patriot um, storyline. And I forget what the fourth one is off the top of my head. But you're going to get a lot of cap that crosses a lot of the different time periods of of Rogers and of Falcon. And so they have not honestly said a whole lot about this. Like I actually kind of had to dig around about it because honestly, I was seeing some retailers talking recently going, wait, cap turns 80 this month and it feels like Marvel isn't doing anything. Hey, hey, hey Marvel. <laughs> Hello. Well, what what are we doing? And then – some of this project kind of came out, but supposedly it's supposed to come out in the next two weeks. Um, to very little fanfare. So I guess I guess Cap isn't going to get the fanfare that DC gave all their 80-year-old characters, but Steve Rogers is an old man this month. Um, is it? Do you think there's anything to do with the political like vibe right now? I... Th- I feel like it's entirely that because like Marvel's almost like, yeah, I guess, guess we'll acknowledge that that character exists. And it's like, ouch. Um, so I would tend to think that that's the case. And also my other thought is maybe they don't want to pull attention away from Falcon and Winter Soldier, but I don't know. But at the same time, the plant, right. But at the same time, using that as the backbone, um, that's when this book is scheduled to come out is either that week or the week after. Hmm. And Marvel has control of those timelines. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel like potentially some politics have have leaked into it, um, which made them potentially pull back on it a little bit. I'm not sure. I'll, I'll be curious to see if we see more in the coming weeks or as that series actually comes out. So it's just interesting. Um because, yeah, our world is an interesting place, isn't it? And there's always a mm-hmm. lot going on, and here we are. So, But either way, Steve Rogers, 80 years, it's a heck of a run. And it still cracks me up that my grandma is older than almost every comic book character. <laughs> You're just like, Nana, where's your cape? Opportunity missed. This is legit. She's like lived through the creation of every superhero. That's pretty cool, though. Yeah. Now, does she have any of those first appearances hidden away? <laughs> nah, dude. They didn't roll like that in the islands. <laughs> uh, that's fair. That is, that is very fair. Well, that does it for the newsroom. No breaking news this week. Sorry. No fully work or anything can be brought to bear this time. But that's our biweekly look at the industry and delivering you all the inside knowledge. You know, all that super berserker inside knowledge. Um And as always, you can join us in the conversation either in our Love Thy Nerd Facebook community or on the Discord. We have our very own comic channel over at the Love Thy Nerd Discord channel. And you can bring that wonderful geekiness to all of us. We talk about different things throughout the week. And you can tell us whether you like something, you hated something, or if Hector and I just totally missed something. Because, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there. And sometimes we We just miss stuff. Yep, we're we're human, believe it or not. Uh, It's just great to be able to talk in community, and that's what comics are all about. So definitely jump into one of those communities and talk to us throughout the week. 
What up, my nerds? We here at Love Thy Nerd are beyond honored that you let our podcast blast in your earbuds each week. But we're also a jealous ministry who wants even more of your love and devotion. If you haven't made LTN Radio a part of your daily routine yet, you are missing out. Not only do you get to hear our exclusive morning shows, Church Nerds and the Macro Morning Show, before they are put on the website, but you also get radio exclusive shows like Bible Thump with Drew Dixon, LTN Rewind, Faith and Fandom 180 with Hector Mirai, The Moment with Megan Moe Oaks, Nerd History, Nerdy Definitions, This Week in Nerdy News, and our LTN specials as well. And on top of all that, the rest of our airtime is jam-packed with the absolute best mix of Christian rock, rap, pop, and indie that is hand-curated by Love Thy Nerd just for you. Give us a listen at ltnonair.com or download the Live 365 app on your smartphone to search and favorite LTN Radio. Thanks, and enjoy the rest of the show. Bringing back our new segment, Because It Matters. Like I've said in the past, there's just so much comic content out there and there's stuff that's adjacent, television shows, web shows, movies and everything. But sometimes there's stuff even within the comic book universe that's just worth talking about because it's a significant moment in time. And Hector and I kind of decided that because Infinite Frontier Zero, kind of the setup of whatever this new DC continuity-ish type discussion is going to be, finally hit and... We wanted to take a couple minutes to really talk about end state, where that ended up, and what Infinite Frontier looks like going forward. So I think, Hector, I kind of want to get your opinions as to kind of kick off this section of what do you think of DC's attempt of new continuity? I'm doing air quotes right now because Infinite Frontier Zero was a thing. Yeah, but that's the thing. Honestly, it also feels like... a. If you didn't know what Infinite Frontier Zero was, and you just walked onto a comic book store, and you saw it alongside shelves of things like Generation Shattered, it just looked like another cover with a lot of people on it and no information. Um, Yep. (laughs) So, like, you don't know what you're really getting, because I picked up Generation Shattered and hated it. Um, Womp womp. uh, Infinite Zero I didn't hate, but uh, on the flip side, it felt like, yeah, I got all this already. Um... (laughs) (laughs) like outside of the one chunk of wonder woman storytelling which basically used to say none of what you did mattered um oof oh some some spoilers spoilers might come from beyond this conversation (laughs) i don't don't know if if you've been paying attention in dc in general you're not well dude like there's a sensational wonder woman number one that takes place after this so what right um (laughs) I don't I don't even I don't even think it qualifies. Um but if you are familiar with anything that's happened in comics back in this in 2021 at all, um you know that Wonder Woman died in DC Metal Death Metal and rebooted the universe and it was supposed to be that her death reopened the floodgates of what the multiverse was rather than the multiverse being destroyed, she rebooted it um circa Doctor Who 2008. Um, and in that capacity, like, uh, it was supposed to be that her death was this big sacrificial thing. Um, and so she's being, this issue, the premise is she's being welcomed into the whatever five, I forgot what it's called, the quintuplet or the quintessence, the, oh, right. The some, quintessence or something like that. Yeah. They gave it a weird yeah. name. Yeah, I was like, I've never heard this name before. Y'all are weird. Um, but it's the five big mystical beings that like supervise and do nothing. <laughs> and uh, like the Spectre and I want to say Ganthet and, you know, Phantom Stranger, that kind of vibe. The big guys. Um, even if that's not who's actually in there, it's that atmosphere. Um, mm-hmm. And saying that because of her great sacrifice, Wonder Woman is uh, effectively welcomed into the big mystical not really on the corporeal form of earth vibe anymore. And she gets to hang out with the big dogs in the sky. And she's like, nah, fam. <laughs> and so they I'm take good. her. Yeah. That was basically it. They take her on a tour of what the multiverse looks like now so that she can be at ease. 
Ooh, um, I am the ghost of DC present. And past and future and maybe <laughs> until somebody gets angry. Um, you've, you've, you've seen this story before. Actually, I think that's the best way. It's the ghost of DC, maybe. Um, and... <laughs> They, uh, <laughs> she sees the you know they basically do like the little dip of like hey, let's check on these people let's check on these people and by the way and all the people that Wonder Woman stops to visit I genuinely don't think Wonder Woman would even care to go visit the JSA if I'm super honest um, like <laughs> I don't see that on my radar I also don't see the practicality of Wonder Woman thinking hmm let me go check in on Ollie and Donna in their private room like <laughs> Hey, Spectre, can I sneak into Ollie and Dinah's room while they're, you know, being moderately intimate with each other? I don't I don't think that was something that Dinah was really or Diana was really vibing on. Um, I feel like they use the Wonder Woman thing as a premise of like, here's DC previews for the next two months is what this book pulled out to be. Um, and with that, it's though, DC get- previews for the foreseeable future. But yes, the immediate future came to bear in this week yeah that's the thing it wasn't even like it wasn't even like a distant like these things are coming down the road these are like these things are also on the shelf next to this issue um uh, some like there i mean i wasn't upset at most of the things that i saw um i wasn't really like frustrated or and then they brought some stuff that had long been uh, announced, but they just wanted to give it more focal point. Um, the only thing that I took from this, and I think it, I'd already seen it announced somewhere else, was that uh, moderate spoilers, but not really, um, that uh, Roy Harper's alive again. And it was yeah, legitimate. Some people, some people died, too. Yeah, Let, that's let's true. Let's not miss Let's not miss that. It's like maybe we don't have to spoil that, but like some big names like also we were like, yep, here here's their memorial and it's like, wait, hold up. You know, like I read this like an hour ago and I don't even remember who that was. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it it was a villain. Um and I'll just leave it at that because you'll you'll find it again, but in all these stories that they've been connecting through all this stuff, it yeah, like Okay, so these people are back. These people are dead. These people are now still present. And oh, my! I think my other favorite thing is that Black Adam's a good guy now. Like right, Shazadam. Yeah, the Shazadam is what they called him. I'm like the what? I love that because um, semi spoiler, but not is that Flash and Superman were trying to get to this point where these people were crying for help. And Superman gets there, and they're like, he's like, what happened? What can I save you from? And they're like, no, Shazadam got it. And he's like, you mean Black Adam? They're like, no, Shazadam. And he's like, Shazam? do I need to, no. do I need to beat him? And he, they're like, no, nah. he like, helps and stuff. And he's like, well, that's new. And then Barry shows up and makes the quip of, how did you beat me here? Which every time Superman and Flash try to go someplace quickly, I'm always entertained by that banner. Um, because good times. And they have raced a bunch of times, but that wasn't an official race. But I still giggled inside. Um, that yeah, you're, that even some of these characters are trying to figure out what's going on, and just the bottom reality of at the end of the day, <laughs> DC's like, cool. All the stuff that you've been reading has happened. Not all in the same universe, but now we're reminding you of the multiversity. And that it's infinite. Get it? Get, huh? Huh? Get it? There's continuity everywhere is basically what they're trying to say now. And that. And I take that as the line from The Incredibles that if everyone's special, no one is. So if there's continuity everywhere, there is no continuity. (laughs) Correct. And a lot of, and it's funny because that's the way they've tried to put it. So everyone's like, so continuity doesn't matter. And they're like, well, of course it does. Just there's now infinite possibilities for said continuity. <laughs> um, so basically they fired their editor and they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> D- Didio deep down inside has to be chuckling because I'm still pretty sure based on what's in front of us is basically 5G, but explained in a different way. Um, 
which a bunch of people grumbled about in DC basically ended up firing a dude over multiple dudes actually. Um, and are like, Oh, this is really good. Here you go. Because they took the pieces and they floated it as end state and then found a way to back into here so that everything's cool. Yeah. Um, future state. Um, it, it'll end at some point. You know, we'll get a convergence. You said that earlier, um, and I was like, did I miss something? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, sorry. It's like they put the words end, final, infinite, and future in everything. It, it's just amazing this isn't a crisis. It's but, the future state pissed. infinite crisis? Yeah. Crisis disease. Or infinite infinities, as one might say. Infinite future state um, crisis. That actually sounds like the American <laughs> government. Go on. Yeah, that seems right. So everything that you – and they've connected it. So the stuff that we read in Future State happened. The stuff that we see in the connective tissue going back to the stories we were being told is happening. Um, just now we're going to get there, – there are other infinite um, frontier books coming. Uh, by the way, it's not just going to be zero. There is a number one and there might even be a number two. So they are going to explain more, but it feels kind of like the beginning of Rebirth where they gave us like two or three setup issues and then we just kind of went. Um, so, yeah, here we are again. Um, continuity shifting, the sands of continuity in comic books that basically you can set your clock to almost two and a half to three years and it's going to happen. But, hey, I made a reference to it earlier. At least it's not convergence. Just, just saying. I can't even remember what happened in Convergence. I think most people purposely block that out of their psyche because they just don't want to. And I, I honestly remember very little of it as well because they're like, yep, moving on from that because it went great. <laughs> um, so, yeah, everything, everything is possible. There are infinite realities and infinite continuities. But the only thing that you do need to know, super important, fam, is that they've renamed Earth Prime. Um, Ooh, what are we was now? What, Earth, Earth Omega, I think, is what they ended up coining it. And basically told us that, so good news, bad news, there are infinite realities and everything, but the one that you know is basically dying. And that's where all the bad stuff's going to happen. And then the big bad of the DC universe steps into the fray for a final panel and... Boom, here we are. Infinite. I won't spoil that. It should be pretty obvious at this point. <laughs> Maybe it's not. But they're tying back to good, um, what I consider old school, really big bad. That's kind of puppeteering all the things. But so I was actually excited about that. So Right? Because when I got there, I was like, ooh, and the line too. I was like, okay, we're, ooh, ooh, yes, you're going to go that route. I'm okay. I will hang out for the rest this of this This is party. important. Right. <laughs> I see what you did. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're still confused after Hector and I attempting to explain what's going on, welcome to the party. You can read uh, Infinite Frontiers uh, number zero and kind of get caught up, but yeah, everything's valid. Everything's canon slash continuity slash maybe. And everything going forward is in some way, shape, or form. You just need to be aware of where you are in said universe. And if anything, I guess the thing for us all to look out for is how are they going to tell us? Because they haven't really done that. We know what some of these continuities look like now because of future state, but we still, you know, in the old multiversity, they gave us the, you know, the earth and then a number or earth and something that we knew where we were. We don't really know where we are right now. So I think that's kind of part of the story coming. So stay tuned. It's going to Also, get just to throw this crazy. out because uh, while we're, before we jump just straight into the pools and stuff, um, if you mm -hmm. are a fan of, uh, the Snyder Cut or Justice League, uh, next week there are Snyder Cut variants dropping for the issues. Um, mm. So, like, uh, for instance, there is a Snyder variant to Justice League 59 with Ezra Miller and uh, 
Henry Cavill in their respective forms on the cover, like running from dark side. So you might want to be on the lookout for next week's books. Um, or actually when this listens, it'll be this week's books. Um, this week's books are looking at some Snyder cut variants. So Mm, the more, you know, which I guess these books will drop two days before the Snyder cut. So makes sense. mm. Marketing. So the books Capitalism. that are currently on your shelf, go look for a Snyder Cut. This week in nerd history, yikes. Nerd history. I know that wasn't a very descriptive intro, but you'll understand what I mean, because back on March 16th in 1994, Cactus Jack, played by Mick Foley, a pro wrestling legend, lost an ear during his match with Big Van Vader when he became entangled in the ropes during a hangman spot. WCW had been using elevator cables wrapped in rubber instead of actual ropes. So when Jack, Mick Foley, was tied up by the head, the circulation had begun to cut off from his brain. When he finally freed himself, two thirds of his ear was torn loose in the process. The ear was actually picked up by the referee and put on ice and Foley had had surgery to reattach the cartilage to his head so that a full reconstruction would be possible. But even to this day, that ear is a little bit nubby. So yeah, yikes. I'm Radio Matt. See you next time for more. All right, let's get into the details, the stuff that they come to listen to us for what we've read, what we found interesting. So what did you find absolutely you had to pull and read over the last two weeks, Hector? Oh, is that what that list is? Because I might need to change some things. Um, uh, well, I mean, that's fair. That it, it may come, <laughs> there, may be, there may be some warnings on that list. We do that occasionally where we let you know about a book that we're like, well, that happened. Here, here's the reality. Out of the polls that I've read this week, not all of them were ones that I'm like, oh man, I'm so glad I read that. Um, Homesick Pilots, number four, just throwing that out there. You've heard me beat the drum of how great Homesick Pilots is. And I have nothing more to say except what I said before is still very accurate. <laughs> and it's a super dope book. If you combine punk rock, a haunted house, and the anguish of dealing with your own existence. Rock on. Um, Homesick Pilots is absolutely still like, I'm not going to say this issue alone was like, oh man, this was the issue to run out and get, but like the fact it's continuing the story. There's four issues deep. If you haven't found it, go find it because I promise this is an entertaining story. Um, But, uh, I will say that I've enjoyed the punk rock vibe of it, but it's honestly managed to be more frightening as a horror book, which surprises me. Like, um, there will be panels where I'm like, punk rock, punk rock. Ah, I'm scared. Um, and <laughs> like, like if I was watching a visual representation of some, like a actual live action version of this, I think I would genuinely have the heebie-jeebies. Um, I think I would be like, ooh, Scott Pilgrim, ah, I'm scared. Um, so, Homesick Pilots number four, still pick that up every every time. I drove to three shops just trying to find a copy. Um, so, stop. <laughs> Everybody in the world should read this book unless you live within an hour radius of me, and then no one should. Um, so, that's a, that's a valid concept. Um, I will say that out of the one outset, not doing our new number ones, um, mm-hmm. but just outside of that, the bo- other book that surprisingly got me this week was Joker number one. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it didn't, did you, it didn't make my list, but I did read it. So, so let's do well, it. And that's, I, I was, um, I honestly didn't care about another Joker book. Um, but what Joker number one actually is, is a Jim Gordon book. And I'm here for that. Right. And yeah, I think I that of, was the. Th- I started in the same place as you that I was like, 
I almost didn't get it because of every other time we've gotten a Joker book lately. I've just been like, meh. But I was like, it's got a number one next to it. I will do my duty and read something with a number one next to it and came away with that similar feeling. I was like, oh, this continue comic book. And that was genuinely a thing. It was, I didn't go into it because listen, between Joker War and the man who, or the Batman who laughs all that stuff. I'm like, y'all have beat this drum to death. And I don't know that I need more Joker right now. Um, but um, two things got me. One, one of the variant covers was the Frank Quitley cover, which if you've mm-hmm. read um, like uh, Joss Whedon's Astonishing X-Men or Grant Morrison's uh, Batman and Robin, um, or Grant Morrison's just Batman in general, uh, I love Quitley's art on a good day. Um, but honestly, this was a solid Jim Gordon story of the fact that it's Jim Gordon looking at the aftermath of Gotham in the face of everything else that's happened, the death of his son, the estrangement of his daughter, the frustration with Batman, the retirement of, from GCPD, all the things. And the basic end line, the end, the punchline of the story is someone has hired Jim Gordon or is offering Jim Gordon to track down the Joker and kill him. And that's the sales pitch. And like what that looks like um, with Gordon's morality, Gordon's thing is like, like, dude, how many people have you shot for less? Um, But this is still a struggle. Um, And, but it's just generally pointing that the book looks like that it's going to be Jim Gordon hunting the Joker without anyone in the bat family. Um, that's what it looks so and feels like the, so far. Yeah, I'm I'm sure it'll it'll take some change, but like just on that one issue, I was here for that issue. That issue entertained me, and I was happy to have read it. Um, so, I think the one thing I just want to interject as part of it is because I don't think until you kind of giving your angle on it, like I remember seeing it as I was reading it, but as you just gave your synopsis and set it up, the thing that struck me was one of the things they did constantly in the art in that context of Jim remembering parts of things and everything that semi-spoilerly or not, but um, as he's remembering bits and pieces or he's just going about his day, there are multiple images from Killing Joke in the side of panels, in the back of panels, it's constantly following him um, up to that final pitch of, you know, I think it'd be mutually beneficial for us basically to get rid of the Joker. And it's like, oh, dang. That's not even subtle. (laughs) Well, and too, like one of the things is even in recent books, they've had Gordon looking young and fit and a bit strapping. I mean, heck, it was like what three years ago. Gordon was Batman, um, right? So, you know, we've had this young, still surprisingly sexy Gordon for this age, and he's like, you know what? I'm tired of dyeing my hair <laughs> and all these things. And so he goes from like hardcore ginger to straight gray, and very much mm. so looking like Gordon in um, uh, the Dark Knight Returns. Yep. Um. So we're so they're, gonna they're, get. Dark Commissioner? Yeah, and that's the thing. We get, um, we're getting a weathered Jim Gordon on his last leg, completely broke, um, estranged from everyone he loves, and he's offered a sweet, sweet sum of money to cap the Joker. And to be fair, outside of his, uh, you know, outside of his um, flashbacks and hauntings, I think we only get one panel of the actual Joker. To be a Joker number one and only have one panel of the Joker's like, okay. <laughs> I'm here for it. Um, so Joker number one, Homesick Pilots number four. Batman 106 um, is straight up, as Chris mentioned, it is Ghostmaker and Batman um, being buddy-buddy. I'm broke, but it's I'm a still a millionaire. comedy for the ages. It really is, dude. Ghostmaker and Batman are hanging out in a man cave, not a bat cave. Um, like as Batman, <laughs> not a man bat beca- cave, not a man bat cave, because Batman's on a budget now, 
you know, he's doing his own repair and he's not doing his laundry and ghost makers complaining about it. And he's leaving the apartment messy. I mean, it's literally like you've <laughs> gone full buddy comedy and I'm going to just say this and you know, I bleed Tom King. So it's, it is what it is. It, this feels in a lot of ways, like none of Tom King's rung happened. Oof. And I don't love that. Just that the weight of his relationship with Catwoman is not a thing. Like Catwoman's not even in the picture. Um, like, and you know, it's like, Hey, you know what? I don't need to work on actually mentoring or raising the adopted family I built because I've got my buddy that tried to kill me three weeks ago. Ha ha. Um, infinite frontiers infinite shenanigans um but (laughs) that that's that's where we're at is that it it looks like good buddy comedy now saying that um it is good it's a good issue it's better than you know i had made a comment there was one of the issues leading up towards the end of that it might have been 103 where the i felt like the artwork was below par for professional comics. Like it was just spotty in areas. And, you know, then they popped right back up and did it well. The artwork in this, I will say this is stylish and sleek and sassy. Um, This might be some of the consistently best artwork I've seen in a Batman book. But on the flip side, I also think that they were rushing to get things together before uh, in, or you got me saying it now too, before future state. And, (laughs) um, I and I the think podcast, that I'm sorry you did, but now that they've actually got time to put into their books and do it. So, um, the art is downright sassy and I get, um, I get a strong nineties, Scott Williams, um, Jim Lee vibe to the art and the ink and the color. Um, and, but I feel like I'm reading, I honestly felt like I was reading a Marvel nineties book in a lot of ways. Um, and all in all positive statements with that. Um, you also get Harley trying her best to be a superhero, but um, it's very much the same joke that you mentioned about Superman and the Flash that um, Ghostmaker and you know Batman are running around fighting crime, and by the time Harley gets there on foot, it's all over and everybody's gone. She's like, "How is anybody supposed to be a superhero without being a billionaire or like stealing?" Um, <laughs> Cause she's literally just running across a rooftop with a baseball bat and she can't get to anything on time. And I thought that was kind of precious. Um, so yeah, it was good. Um, and then I'll just throw in there for my other regular book, daredevil, uh, 28. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Electra's on the cover. I don't even remember her being in the issue. No, she wasn't in costume. That's what it was. Got it. Correct. Um, yes, I was about to say. I was like, nope. It's like, hold up. <laughs> she is definitely a part of the the issue. Yeah, I, I I was thinking like this is not an action packed superhero book. This is an exposition to the storyline of yes. where Daredevil's still in prison. They aren't ignoring completely that the King and Black stuff happened, but they're also not letting it rule right. the book. Um, but they are directly, they're implicating the, the stuff that happened in the King of Black issue actually happened and it shifted the story. Um, yes. So Typhoid Mary's relationship with Fisk is growing deeper and his compassion towards that is, you know, growing. Um, the young girl that Electra rescued during King, the King and Black tie-ins um, is weighing on her. And there's a wonderful line. Uh, Electra says, um, I understand alone. It's easy to be responsible for the strong. It's hard to be responsible for the weak. And there are so many weak. And I'm like, mm. Mm. I was like, there's just good dialogue in that. But uh, it's basically the a trifold issue of Fisk dealing with Typhoid Mary, Electra dealing with this girl that she's rescued, and Matt dealing with his own, you know, self-pity. Um, we also yeah, get he, Matt. He made some mistakes. Yeah, the, what we call the Mustanks, uh, Stanks. Uh, it's Matt in prison dealing with his own issues in prison, and he also starts seeing a prison therapist. And there's some good exposition there. And she's like, "By the way, you had enough money; you could have gotten a therapist at any point, and you probably should have." Um, so check your mental <laughs> health, folks. What about you? 
Yeah, no, I I mean, I dug Daredevil too, um, but you covered it, so let's go to the list. My list is all over the place this week. By the way, y'all, I had like four image books in my poll this week. Ooh. Oh, I'm proud of you. Not on, not on this list, but right. I, I had a stack of image. Um, I had a stack of boom that didn't make my list, but there's a lot going I think I only on had, there. I think but. I only had one boom. So, Fear Case. I told you about this crazy book a while ago. And now I know because I'm looking closer at it. Fear Case is only going to be a four-parter. So if you're in for this trip, it's going to wrap up in two more issues. But the second issue came out, and this was the Matt Kent book that I mentioned to a few folks that if you're looking for something off the wall um, and getting that horror on slash slasher slash investigative that it's the Secret Service agents that have the one year to figure out where this case Literally a box, not a file. It's a case about a case. Tracking. (laughs) Um, But the case does really crazy stuff to people. It causes an inordinate amount of fear that really, really nasty stuff occurs. And so the story's continuing and the agents have now almost captured the case. Like they're literally in this environment where they didn't even think the box existed. And now they've actually seen it. And they've come across yet another really grisly murder that makes absolutely no sense. And so crazy crime scene and they roll in and this person's literally written hundreds of names and blood on the wall of this hotel room. And they're like, cool, we got a bunch of names, but we don't know what we're looking at. Um, So if you're just looking for that wild kind of um, true detective type thing, they're they're nailing it um, in fear case. So if that's your kind of jam, you should probably pick that up. Uh, or wait just a couple more weeks and it'll probably be out in trade in another month or two. But either way, it's pretty wild so far, so I've been enjoying it. But then like jamming into a lower gear, like ending up on an entirely different planet. I read a fair number of Marvel books that I enjoyed this week. And I want to share that with all of you. Um, I'm going to continue to tell you that Daredevil is one of the best Marvel things that is currently being written, and you have 28 issues plus to catch up on if you want a really great story, but Strange Academy, nine issues in, still delightful. Um, With a new class of mutants or magic wielders, etc., at basically the Hogwarts for Marvel. Um, Strange Academy number nine was Parents' Day at school, and it had all of your typical parent date type <laughs> stuff. And it was crazy. And they had basically, um, I think it is Thor's kids, um, which I missed, or they just kind of interjected them at this point. I forget. I'm being really, I'm reading this book for pure enjoyment. So it means that it, I probably missed this, but there's a brother and sister. And so. Thor and mom couldn't show up, so Uncle Loki was the parent that came, um, and that was that was definitely worth it in and of itself. But some of the other parents are like super competitive, so it's basically the kids like completely ignoring their parents at you know their magic day camp, and the parents like just beating the snot out of each other during Parents' Day. And comics are delightful, <laughs> so if you're not reading Strange Academy and all of those things are your jam, you need to read it. It's really well drawn. It's very pretty, and it just offers you that type of break that sometimes I want when reading comics, and Marvel just embraces that so well, and this is that book. I hope Strange Academy doesn't go anywhere because it's been a really fun thing in the middle of everything, and then going to the opposite spectrum of Marvel, um, I also picked up uh, Demon Days X-Men number one. There's going to be a Demon Days series where there's lots of different other things. But um, Peach Momoko is doing the art, and I think she's writing as well. I think it's both. I'd have to double check that real quick. But what's neat about these books, other she's than the only being, name on the cover. Yep, so. she's the only one. She's, she's doing everything. Um, which is awesome because A, the art is beautiful, but B, storytelling is really neat because all of these books are going to be done in the style of kind of a Japanese folklore tale. Um, And then in the back of the book, they actually explain which pieces of Japanese folklore uh, certain things were designed for to be direct 
analogs to, and so it's really fun. Um, it has a really neat watercolor, like almost like you're looking at J- Japanese murals reading these stories of folklore, but it each one's going to be in the little piece of the X-Men universe that they're telling the story of. So I don't want to give anything away because they're, it is worth your time and an investment just to see what's going on and then to get your little um, history lesson at the end of the book. And yes. I just got to say, out of all the X-Men stuff I've been picking up, um, this was fun. And well, this was really barely beautiful. X-Men, dude. Right? <laughs> and that's what's I mean, neat. Like, legitimately, uh, this needed to be called Demon Days Marvel because not only <laughs> was like it barely X-Men... The two other main characters, and I'll leave this out for spoiler's sake, the two other main characters that are featured aren't X-Men. That's fair. Like, the bads, air quotes, aren't even Mm X-Men. Like, this is literally, there's two other Marvel characters and an X-Men. Right. Barely. But still. Dig it. Pick it up. Um, And then finally... I found another Spider-Man book that I actually like. And like you've all heard me say before, there's always way too many spider books on the wall and we don't ever need new ones. But nonstop Spider-Man number one, again, is another iteration of Spider-Man slash Peter Parker that I want to enjoy. Um, Because we're back to that high school version of things. And... I just feel like that's where I want my Spider-Man stories right now. Spider-Man growing up, getting married and everything was the thing of that Peter Parker literally grew up with a generation. Got it. But the version of a kid still dealing with his existence and everything is still interesting. It's going to always be interesting. And the art's really cool. Bacalo, um, Eagle Sham, and some other folks are sharing interiors. Um, But... The other thing that I really dug about this Spider-Man, other than that it's punchy, it's the younger dealing with the balance of saving the world and still, you know, making the gym class on time kind of thing. Um, this book and was also... I think also, that's where Spider-Man thrives best. Right. and But it also was n- literally nonstop. It was breakneck speed from the first page to the last page of just stuff happening. And... It's also got throwbacks to the McFarlane Spider-Man that the webs are kind of back to those like intertwined with knots and stuff. So it's not like the defined like spread out webbing that you see occasionally that it's got all the feels of Spider-Man that I want to feel for Spider-Man. So if you just love you some of that spider, then you should pick that up. And I'm looking forward to seeing where the rest of that series goes. Um so yeah, that was a lot of Marvel for me, but there was and handful. I'm of just going to really tag on things. to your nonstop. Uh, we both also read Amazing Spider-Man 61, correct? Right number. Yes. Yeah. Sure um, did. Yep. And you've heard us both like beat that drum since the Sins Rising prequel. Mm-hmm. Um, like uh, the drum took a, a rest. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, it's there. 61 is going to be kind of popular because there's a new Spider-Man outfit. Um, but it's also to the point where it's taking a strong turn and direction. And, um, yes, it's a fun direction, but he he had, but he had a new suit, but he had a new suit. It is going to be a fun air quotes book with J Jonah Jameson actually being his buddy and fun things happening. And, uh, it's dealing a lot more with some very 2021-esque stuff, but it's departing strongly from the uh, spiritual and emotional levels and putting it more in like a circumstantial vibe. Um, and honestly, having nonstop and 61 come out like the same day was not a good look for 61. Um, yeah. I'm not saying that just to poop on your cornflakes. I'm letting you know that because we pushed that book so hard that the, the portion of the book we've been pushing has stopped. So Merry Christmas. Yeah. We're, 
we're still holding on to see. I'm going to give it another issue or two to see if it continues my attention or not, but it, it was a distraction. We here at LTN Radio know that not everybody is nerdy in the same ways. You might find yourself in a situation where you hear a word or phrase that you've never seen before and have no idea what it means. Well, have no fear. We're here to help. Today's term is kine. Spelled simply K-I-N-E, this word is found in Lord of the Rings, where it says, Far back into the vanished years before the failing of the kings, since Verondil, father of Mardil, hunted the wild kine of Ara in the far fields of Run. I don't know if I pronounced those names correctly, but I did pronounce kine correctly, and it just means a bunch of cows. And it's a real word. It's, it's not a, a fake word created for Lord of the Rings. Kine just means a bunch of cows. I'm Radio Mad, and I hope I've made your life just a little bit nerdier. So that brings us to the final segment for the day, where we talk about that number one that absolutely is worth our time. And I'm going to let Hector go first, because I'm also going to say that we basically should have Rochambeau'd for it, because we what does that both mean, by picked the way? Because I, I hear that phrase a lot, and I heard it in Hamilton and all these things. So what there's a lot of different versions of that. Like, what's yeah, that phrase You should mean? Google that. <laughs> well, everyone else kind of giggles a little bit because there's lots of different versions of it. Like, we can rock, paper, scissor for it. Um, but there, there is definitely a less eloquent version of that as well. But uh, Rochambeau, like, uh, we both wanted to talk about this book, which is, it's this book called Carmen, n- number one. I, I Carmen number one for me. Uh, I when I found out Chris was actually going to be doing Carmen number one because you know he, he he's more organized and he tends to put his list on paper first. And <laughs> um, so when I got to the point where I saw that he was uh gonna actually be doing that, I just sent him a text and said, "You dirty rat." But Chris, for one, just just from my historical understanding, what does Rochambeau actually mean? Yeah, so. A lot of folks, you know, that's one of those things, like I said, you can, you can Google that if you'd like, uh, but it's either rock, paper, scissoring for it, or yeah, you know, kicking a dude square in the junk until someone gives up. Okay. Cause like I, I heard it yelled in Hamilton and, and a few other places. Um, cool. Good talk. Yeah. So that's your pop culture term for this week. <laughs> Huzzah. Um, but no, um, Carmen number one, dude, um, I'm going to save my commentary until it's your turn because it's your turn for that. But um, Carmen number one was absolutely my book of the week, um, period. Not just my number one. It was my favorite book of the week. Um, but since Chris called it, um, I'm going to go ahead to Noctera number one, um, which is Scott Snyder and uh, T- Tony Daniel um, uh, putting together. And Chris, you don't know anything about this book, do you? I don't because this and Berserker were both long gone by the time I made it to the comic shop. All right. So Noctera number one is a duct taped uh, amalgam of every um, situational horror thing that we've had in the last decade or two. Um, Noctera number one is a little bit um of the quiet place it's a little bit of bird box it's a little bit of 30 days of night all duct taped together jeez um where one day um the world goes dark like it's you can literally see kids sitting there in class and the sun is covered up it's still there it still exists we're not freezing but light can't make it through. Hmm. Um, and light cannot make it through, but, and so, okay, that's a scary enough premise on its own. The premise evolves into anything that is left in darkness for eight hours, or it might be 10 hours, starts to mutate into a quiet place-esque monster. Oh, dang. But it's a sickness that starts in your gums. So they're walking around checking people's gums with flashlights. And if they catch it early enough, they put you on dialysis and it might clear out your system. 
but so basically okay. you you everything's dark but you have to stay lit or you mutate into a horrible monster and then the they have people that are basically mules of darkness that basically get you from point a to point b in an illuminated state so that you can be alive and our story focuses on a little girl who was like in elementary school when the world went dark and now she's a runner that coyotes people from darkness to light and oh, wow. so it's like she's got an 18 wheeler covered in like carnival lights inside and out a light a visor that produces light from their her face and all these other things but you're in a world where the sun is gone everything has to be illuminated with electricity electricity is a problem and if you're left in the dark for eight hours you turn into a monster noctera <laughs> your go dang <laughs> wow um right i'm, star- it's I'm very starting Scott i'm starting Snyder. to it's yeah it's, so, i'm, yeah, I'm starting to, to question my my pick now um but strap yourselves in, folks, because Hector and I chose apparently two of the wildest books that came out this week. So Carmen, number one from Image Comics. How do I even set this up? Um, first of all, you need to know a few things that this is a very mature book. Um, so, you know, not for the kids and all that, that the all the content, all the warnings. Yeah, all of the warnings uh, get attached. Uh, trigger warning for nudity, trigger warning for suicide. Yes. And yes, those things. Um, so you're probably scratching your head going, what? So yeah. Um, and by the way, number one inter- yeah. the, all the nudity is non-sexual nudity. It's just Correct. naked it's, human form. It is, it is a very naked human being, yes. Um. We get introduced to a handful of characters without a lot of context. We get introduced to a boy and a girl like when they're growing up. Clearly, they're friends. And you find out that there's complications in that relationship in terms that the girl has a lot of different – she's dealing with depression over time and possibly a whole bunch of other stuff. Like we're not even given the context. But where we end up is – that girl, I guess the spoiler early part slash the trigger warning and everything is she does kill herself, question mark. I say question mark because the premise at that point is the book. And we get introduced to Carmen, who we also don't really know whose function is in this environment, but she's literally a head that looks completely normal. And then the rest of her body is like the black suit skeleton costume that you sometimes see at Halloween where it just has the bones on it. And that's her. And I don't being. know if you, I don't know if you noticed, but her, like she's got the skeleton bone things, but her feet are also high heel shoes. <laughs> I didn't catch that. That's good. No, go back and look. And that's, it made me giggle. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is there's, Carmen's character is meant to make you feel like this is funny or humorous, that there's very serious content here that's being handled really strange. And so Carmen meets the girl who literally is on the other side of the moment of this suicide and is trying to grasp what's happening. She's doing that. Am I dead? Am I not dead? And Carmen's like, well, question mark. Um, but you need to come with me. And the rest of it is kind of this journey of, she hasn't said that she's dead, but she has definitely told her that she is not in the same plane as she was. And she kind of has ghost like abilities. She can pass through walls and she can fly and everything. And, Carmen's just kind of matter-of-factly walking her on this journey, completely naked, <laughs> which is why we warned and you about One that. of the advertising pieces for the book also said that she was an unexpected type of angel. So I don't know if she's like straight the Reaper, if she's an angel, what, but here right. we go. And she's on this process of delivering this character from point A to point B. We literally don't know where point Well, we have an idea of where point A was, but we have no idea where point B is going to be in this story. So 
but just because of how the content is handled and that Carmen is so off the wall, it just rose up there as one of those, I had to tell you about it because there's definitely a unique story being told here, but it's being told around a very, very complicated topics. <laughs> and it doesn't seem to be holding any punches. So you need to be aware of all those pieces of the content that are present. But if you're looking for something that is very different and is very well drawn, the art is very solid. Oh, it's um, freaking immaculate. That this is one of those where Hector and I agreed and some, this happens every so often, but we're both of us were like, it's Carmen number one this week. And so, yeah, we wanted to give you all the warnings um, because there are plenty to be had there that some of the depictions through the early part of the book are difficult. Um, you, so you should be aware of that. And that at the same time, they're also a very lightheartedness to the same stuff. So depending on where you land on the issues and everything, it could be a tough read for you. But if you're looking for something that is highly artistic and is def, it it appears it's going to go somewhere. Um, I didn't get it's the feeling mature like, without mature being used as a cop out for vulgar or crass or overviolent. No, right. It, it, yeah. I the term that keeps coming to mind is very matter of fact, um, because they didn't go over the top on anything. It is what it is. So, you've been warned, but at the same time. I think there is potentially a very interesting story about to unfold here. So we're going to probably keep reading it. We'll bring it back to you as we find out that it's like, nope, they jumped that shark and whoops. Or it ends up being one of those that really blows our mind. So those are our number ones for this weekend. That's going to do it for us here at the Polis Podcast. Episode 49 is in the books and now in your ears. But we couldn't possibly do this alone. As many of you know, we take this epic journey of podcast and fandom with – lots of other amazing podcasts that are part of the Love Thy Nerd podcast network. So be sure to visit lovethynerd.com for more info, previous episodes, and maybe you find yourself a new show to add to your routine. And as always, Hector and I just want to thank all of you for choosing us as your primary comic book knowledge factory on a near weekly basis. So don't leave us hanging. Rate and review the show on your podcast app of choice. We're on the iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and so many more. Find us. We love five-star reviews, and we love you guys. So thanks for listening, and remember, kids, read more comics. Seven continents is a game of risk.